Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Brett Bartholomew is a strength and conditioning coach, author, adjunct professor, and founder of the performance coaching consulting company, The Bridge Human Performance. Check out his work at artofcoaching.com. His experience includes working with athletes both in the team environment and private sector, along with members of the U.S. Special Forces. He's coached athletes across 23 sports worldwide at levels ranging from youth athletes to Olympians. He's supported numerous Super Bowl and World Series champions, along with several professional fighters in both professional boxing and the UFC. You've probably heard of his book, Conscious Coaching, The Art and Science of Building Buy-In. But if you haven't, it's worth looking up now. A key component of the Good Athlete Project is being well-intended, well-researched, intentional, and effective. We share all of these aims with Brett, and that's why we were so excited to sit down with him today. Take a listen. Yeah, so I'm from Omaha, Nebraska originally. I grew up kind of in the shadow of uh, Nebraska football, which was big on strength and conditioning in many respects. The birthplace of it, formerly in the college setting at least. Um, Went to undergrad at Kansas State University, got my graduate or uh, my uh, degree in kinesiology. Mm -hmm. After that, I interned at Athletes Performance down in Pensacola, Florida, primarily working with military, Major League Baseball, um, and then football. Uh, went back to Nebraska to uh, get team setting experience uh, with their football team. So worked a whole off season uh, under the Bo Pelini era with athletes yep. like Dominican Sue, Prince of Mukamara. Those guys would have been there around that time. Uh, then got my graduate degree uh, in motor learning, specifically attentional focus, which focuses on cueing, uh, internal and external cueing. So the difference between giving people a lot of postural or infor- information based cues, such as extend the hips, uh, bend your knee at a 45 degree angle, you know, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and focuses more on analogies and metaphors, such as push the gra- ground away, drive into the bar, uh, try to throw the med ball through the wall. Uh, the research on that, which is, I think is about 20 to 22 years worth now, the woman, her name's Gabrielle Wolf, shows that fairly, uh, you know, pretty much across the board, external cueing works best. Uh, for a number of reasons. Um, that that research led me to have a deeper focus and interest in human behavior, learning, psychology, uh, and communication. So after my graduate program there, went back to uh, uh, the private sector, started working predominantly with professional athletes, baseball, uh, NFL, which is still my predominant population, NFL, uh, military, and then fighters. I boxed competitively and in college, so that was uh, an inroad with me with fighters. Um, yeah, and then between working with pro athletes and, and going around speaking a good bit and continuing my research in human behavior, I uh, ended up writing a book called Conscious Coaching, mm-hmm. uh, which is on Amazon. If any of your listeners are listening, it's, and the, the inevitable questions I always get asked is, is it on Kindle and is it on audiobook? Huh. Uh, the, the answer is yes to both of those. There you go. Uh, I had every day somebody asked me if it's on a new platform. Is it on uh, today? Somebody goes, "Is it on Yoku?" I'm like, "Dude, what is Yoku?" I know you heard. Yeah, yeah. Right, and like, um, and then after that, you know, thankfully people um, wanted more, and mm-hmm. uh, the book did far better than I could have ever anticipated. Made it on Amazon's like 
top 100 sellers, which was nice because I had a lot of publishers tell me that strength and conditioning isn't a topic people care about on a broader yeah. scale, let alone communication. Um, so it was nice to kind of see our community stand up and support that and, and kind of prove people in shiny, fancy suits wrong. Um, and then that led me to create Bought In, which is um, a consolidated version of a, really a lot of the same material I have in a 16 week university course. Um, Bought In in many respects is a little bit higher level because it's for uh, the person already in the field, whereas some of my university courses that I do as my adjunct professor role are more towards uh, aspiring coaches. Right. Um, so that launch goes through July 1st. Uh, we look at typically opening these biannually, um, but anybody listening can get a free sample of the course and the content by going to artofcoaching.com. Love it. And that's that, man. Now I live in Atlanta, Georgia, continue to work with football guys. I, I coach uh, my jobs about, you know, uh, part of the year is more coaching intensive, part of the year is more clinic speaking, practicals, mm -hmm. teaching, uh, which is the balance that I'm looking for right now at this point in my career. Each one feeds the other. And uh, I get really tired of hearing myself talk often or sitting at a desk when I'm not at uh, when I'm not out coaching. So fair enough. Yeah. How have you, how have you balanced that? I think um, this is something that we're really intrigued by, too. Um, we want to be sure. So you met, conscious coaching, first of all, is the perfect segue into the work that we're doing. We are everything at the Good Athlete Project is about being intentional. Uh, it's about being aware, making decisions, making sure that your behavior matches your goal. And then like a lot of the work that you do, making sure the steps you take to reach your goal are well considered and have been proven out as effective through whether it's psych or, or uh, something in, in strength and conditioning field, what have you. So I, I'm, I'm really interested in how, you, how you've been able to balance that, balance that essentially. How have you found time to be with athletes at off, as often as it seems like you are and spend time catching up on the research and, and going through the real... Uh, heavy-duty paperwork that that um, creating what you've created would require. Yeah, Just easy. I mean, there's no, there isn't a balance. Uh, it's uh, you know, I tell people like if you want to do anything on a bigger scale or stage and make a difference, in my opinion, uh, balance doesn't exist. Um, otherwise, you would never dive into something deeply. Like by nature, if you're going to do your due diligence at a high level, something's going to be sacrificed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I look at it as seasons, just like an athlete has in-season, off-season, pre-season, things like that. There's different times of the year where I coach more. For me, that's typically January through July. Those are pretty uh, coaching intensive. August and September get pretty quiet because most major uh, sports and athletes are in season. Um, this year will be a little bit different because usually uh, October I'll start coaching a bit more again, but I'm going to be out of the country doing some workshops that I have a unique, unique opportunity to do. Um, and, and trying to really add different experiences in my life at this point that keep me growing. Yeah. Uh, and then November, December, we'll start coaching again, depending on the group. But uh, that's been a big adjustment. I mean, going from somebody that just coached seven, eight groups a day uh, to now, you know, I've isolated that a little bit more. Right. Um, but, but that's also what I want. You know, I don't want to be 55 years old and coaching seven groups a day. That's just not my goal. Totally. Um, and I, I start realizing that if I want to help more athletes and more people, that begins with me helping more coaches. Uh, I think a lot of that stems from the fact I didn't really have a mentor that stood behind me for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm going into my 12th year as a coach. Yeah. So I've, I've wanted to fill that hole for other people and provide resources, learnings, mistakes. Uh, but yeah, in short, there's no balance. I mean, today's a perfect example. I was supposed to get my own training done at 10 a.m. It's now 3.16 p.m. and I probably will not get to train until now 6.30 or so. 
Um, but you just start to learn that, you know, you've got to adapt to that and that's what either makes you or breaks you. Yeah, that's fair. It's a, it's sort of a tough pill to swallow, but it's an honest one. So I appreciate it. Yeah, that. I just, I mean, I, I think I always got, you know, and, and there's people out there that are far more regimented than I am that, that may disagree and God bless them, you know, like, uh, I'll, I'll be the anti kind of what you read about in today's society over and over and over again. Um, I don't wake up at 5 a.m., mm-hmm. start my day with, you know, bulletproof coffee and all that stuff, like, and right. then work until 8.30 p.m. and then go relax in my room that's at the perfect temperature. And, like, my life by design and by nature is imperfect. Mm-hmm. Pro athletes will schedule, cancel, reschedule at any right. moment. Um, you know, sometimes they'll come back from a weekend of partying and, and the days are mixed up or what have you. Um, there's times where like, I find out a website crash and what have you. So, you know, I try to, I try to balance things the best I can. I've lived on all ends of those spectrums. I mean, when I was in college football, we'd have to wake up at four 30 in the morning. You'd get to work by five, set up by five 30, be going till six, stay there till seven. Now I think for a certain population, that's alluring. Um, I think once you get married and you start looking at, having a family and long-term goals and sustainability, you start kind of waking up to a new reality. So my goal is to kind of create a lifestyle now that even if it is hectic and a bit chaotic, it's sustainable and it's one that can last me, you know, uh, the remainder of my life without getting burnt out. So I'd say the biggest thing that I'm working on right now is learning how to turn off. Um, There were times where if I wasn't listening to a podcast, reading a book, anything like that, I thought that I was either losing a step or I wasn't going to do this or that. Um, and depending where you are in your career, that, that can be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like when I'm not coaching, I'm usually speaking. When I'm not coaching or speaking, I'm usually creating something. So I'm not – the fact of the matter is is I, I need to turn off more now. And I think looking outside of our profession at people like Ryan Holiday and, and other people that are just in different creative spells, like that's normal. you know. Mm-hmm. And so if my wife and I watch four episodes in a row of Mad Men, I probably don't beat myself up the way right. that I used to and thinking that I was a pile. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Uh, and I think the goal, here's something, and I'm just going to, whatever, dude, this is, this is my life right now too. If we're going to be totally frank, it's like, uh, I, I love the idea that someday maybe there, there might be a greater balance to be had. Uh, my interests are super varied. I want to have balance in my life. But I'm also frequently confronted with the idea that in order to someday, if that day ever comes, I've got to essentially tip the balance in onto the side of like work and creation and, and following through on my uh, all these ideas and tasks that I have uh, to essentially create that future for myself. Well, and that's uh, a smart thing to do when you're, how old are you? I'm an old man. I'm 34 now. Yeah. Well, I, I, in my opinion, I'm once joking. you, you know, there's a time in your life where it's just grind, 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 coach, 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 yeah. you know, and then once you get to your like late twenties or probably just even early to mid thirties, you better be creating that platform. I'm the same way. Like, I think, I think coaches miss the boat on this. I think that they coach their butt off for as long as they can. And then they start thinking about what they're going to do with retirement and stability. Totally. I told my wife, we're going the opposite way. I go, I want to set a firm foundation first so that we can make what choices we want later on. Because right. there's a lot of coaches that accept jobs just because of uh, scarcity. Oh, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get another chance to do this. I don't know if I'm gonna get a chance to do that. Um, you know, I, I turned down a role in the NFL uh, because I'd already accepted a position somewhere else that was gonna give me a lot more business experience and things like that. And that wasn't an easy decision. It's probably the toughest decision I've ever made in my career. Um, but at the same time, I can sit here today knowing that I know a lot more about legalities and, and business and other things 
Whereas if I took that NFL job, sure, I'd probably have 40 more thousand followers on Instagram and, and more quote unquote right. passive credibility, but I don't know if I'd have more skill, you know, and that's not, that's not any knock on anybody in the NFL. Like that's something that I still very may well do in the future, but I wasn't going to learn business and, and the other things there that can sustain my family long-term uh, sure. in the same way. Sure. Yeah, no, it, it, you're exactly right. And to go with your idea of making the metaphor, you see it all the time in our line of work, right? Like the guy who kind of coasts and takes his breaks as he's running, um, you got, he's going to have to turn it on at the end to catch up to everybody else. You know what I mean? Right. I think a lot of people are, you know, it'd be nice to kind of to jog it out, to take a nice easy pace in your 20s and 30s and kind of enjoy it. But there's going to be work to be done at the end. And, you know, and you've pre-exhausted a little bit. You know, it's hard to sprint at the end when you're when you're already a little bit tired. So I'm with you, man. That's that's uh, that's inspiring to hear. So okay, listen. Within all of that, so you're constantly moving, you're constantly creating or working or what have you. Uh, what is what's one habit you can't go without? Or maybe it's a, maybe it's a few of them. Maybe it's like making lists or whatever it is. But how do you? Because we're we I feel like we're in the same boat. How do you sort through the chaos that requires so much adaptability? Yeah, I'm pretty bad at it. I mean, you know, if you if I were to liken myself to anybody like uh, an archetype, so to speak, I'm a little bit like Tony Stark. You know, you see in those movies, he's always in his workshop and stuff's all over the place and whatever, and he'll be tinkering, and then all of a sudden, like he's got it. Like, yeah, I'm very much like that. I usually just like to dive in. Like right now, I'm making a new presentation. A conference has asked me to create a presentation, and some people will go in a very storybook format. I have a general idea of what I want to say. I know imagery I want to use and I start piecing it all together and then I just move it all around like a puzzle. So for me, it's all just about taking action. Yep. Um, it's like I plan a little bit differently. I think that instead of focusing on this kind of rational, knowable sequence of, of things that go on when you're trying to convey a message, it's more about telling a story. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I mean, research would support that, that people respond more to uh, emotion and invoking kind of strong imagery and things like that than they would just rational facts and statistics. Totally. Um, so for me, it's usually just diving in um, and, and being less worried about perfectionism straight from the start. Uh, I try to make lists. They end up all over my desk. I would say if, if somebody's looking for one tangible thing that I think is a weapon for me, it's Microsoft OneNote. All of my stuff goes into that uh, to the degree that if something happened to that, I'd be really, really, really pissed. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard. It's like you can't really back it up. Um, it's not like everything else. But Microsoft OneNote is is probably my biggest weapon. I like it. Microsoft yeah. OneNote. That's fair. I mean, yeah. If, that... you, if you guys use Evernote, it, it's you know, I'm sure it's the same thing. Um, to I just I used Evernote at one point in time and. And uh, didn't really like it as much as uh, as I liked OneNote. So, um, you know, different folks for different strokes. It's basically just a way that I can really, you know, lock in everything and um, and keep it kind of consolidated and organized in a different kind of way. Sure. Yeah, and and, and I think that's right. And the, and the truth is, whatever it's whatever works for you. I think you are producing uh, at a at a frequency and level of quality. Um, that would say like whatever it is, uh, if, even though you might not be able to take your system of organization and, and place it everywhere else, I, it clearly works for you. you know? Yeah. And, well, and I think, I mean, there's, there's more, I mean, for, to me, that's where systems come in. I mean, yeah. even though I'm, I'm different in terms of organizing Google drive and OneNote are big things for me. Yeah. Um, so it, it is easy to transfer those things. I mean, the biggest thing I find is that if I'm going to work with somebody, 
They yeah. need to be somebody who can take action and not overanalyze. They need yeah. and and nine times out of ten, that's what I run into. I run into people that they either want to extract everything you know um, in in five minutes, uh, which is kind of today's generation, or they want to. Um, you know, they want to deliberate, 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 and just kind of wait. And that's just not how the world works, right? So right. you either got to, you, you need to know kind of what you're going for. You need to focus on that. And you need to move, move forward. And that's coming from somebody with a fairly high degree of uh, metaphorical ADD. <laughs> I like it. No, it, it's, it's great. And it's good advice because we were, we were just talking about that the other day, especially in the process of creating, like, you just have to freaking produce. You know what I'm talking about, Alex? Yeah, it's like get a beam, like put stuff up at 80% quality and then tinker and adjust and make it better because 80% of something is better than zero of nothing. I think we, I think it is like we're both on the side of uh, be super well considered about your actions, develop a purpose, develop a plan, and be deliberate, be conscious, be intentional, um, but do something. Yeah, you know, got we it. Have, uh, Absolutely. You probably heard that. How about you guys? What what uh, you know? What systems do you guys use over there for organizing? I mean, I imagine you doing this podcast. You have to have a number of audio files and big files. You Dropbox, Google Drive, guys. How do you? Yeah. Do you do both? What What's your What's I, your? Method? I think that I think that's it. And and uh, when in doubt, spreadsheet it out. We uh, we we just like we jump on Excel all the time. Uh, try to make lists and templates. Like, you know, we have, in fact, Alex, feel free to chime in on this. Um, yeah. You know, like for production schedules and stuff like that, uh, for consultations, we, one of the things that we're trying, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to do is offer uh, really highly individualized ed consulting in the sports landscape place by place. And one of the things that we, that we need to do uh, is, is, be intentional and very site specific. So how to track the information from like college A to high school C and you know uh, place to place. Really, it's just a system of templates. When we go in, we need to know that these three things are important. Uh, we talk about a timeline. We uh, you know give give us an example of this. So the day after we record this podcast, for example, uh, I like I have two days to edit a podcast after we finish it. And so within two days, um, <clears throat> I send the audio. We have a group of people that we will like that uh, will listen to it and give us some feedback on the episode. So it's okay. Within two days, it's done. And then the week of the podcast, the template says by you know by Monday night, I have to have it to our pre-screen group. By Friday, they have to have it back to me with like whatever edits need to be made. It's all done by Saturday. All the promotional materials done by Thursday. Um, and yeah, just kind of. Uh, Basically, we have a template for almost everything that we do, uh, and that's been huge for us. For me, especially because I, I'm like as unorganized as they come, and then finally creating this template really helped me with, that, with sorting through all those ideas as well uh, because it was like, like I could there, – there's freedom to move within the template, but there's also not a question of what I should be doing. Yeah. So we yeah. actually – we call it the anchor and tether method. It's like we've got our anchors. These are the things that aren't moving. These are the absolute expectations. And then the tether is the part that's kind of variable. Uh, it's got to be done by Thursday. But if that happens at 6 a.m. or, or 8 p.m., uh, kind of irrelevant, right? We, yeah. we, 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 we trust you enough to, to work within that time and make sure we hit the absolutes. Sure. So, yeah, no, I think, I think uh, that's a smart way to do it. And it shows that gives people the necessary autonomy. I think the hard thing at least I know I struggle with still to this day is again, like a lot of what I've done at this point in time 
with the exception of my course and of course the editor in my book is is just me and so trying to balance coaching this that whatever gets pretty tough uh the majority of my friends you know are are guys that are in different states different careers uh guys that are you know strength coaches they're they're usually wrapped up with their own stuff so it does get tough finding coaches and that's just a reality in strength and conditioning a lot of people want to jump for uh sexy jobs you know and and it's pretty scary for a lot of strength coaches to kind of go out on their own and do those things so a lot of my friends in the team setting think i'm batshit crazy um but it does get tough i mean right now just you know thinking like uh, part of the reason organization isn't always a reality for me is I'm co-authoring another book due and, and the first draft's due in August in the middle of a course launch right now. Uh, July's uh, the last month leading up where the NFL guys before they head off to camp. And then I'm about to go to five countries in five months, you know, and wow. and that gets difficult of like saying like not having a counterpart that I can call mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm going to be speaking here. Can you touch up X, Y and Z presentation and shoot it over to me? You know, like yeah. It's, it's all kind of got to fall on me. And I, I won't lie. You know, there's days I just shut down. There's days where I'm like, I'm not doing anything until I get my coaching done for the day and I get a training session in. And I'm about at that break even point today with it, you know, just because you sit there and you're like, uh, you know, there's periods of, of blast and dust. Dave Tate said it well in uh, an old lead FTS article. Um, but yeah, that, that's the thing I'm still looking for as a counterpart that you know, really can get those things done and, and, and focus in. And uh, I'm in talks with some people now, but that's been a big learning process. So like my message to your audience there is like, you're, oftentimes you're going to have to get started alone. Like that's just a reality, you know, and, and nobody's going to come to help you. And that's a sobering reality, but it also will draw the best work out of you and make you really, really, really hyper-focused in doing what you need to do. Yeah. No, that's, a, I think it's an important note. It's funny uh, we've done a bunch of these now. We've had great people on. We had Mike Ditka on the podcast, Frank Beamer, all these guys. And one thing that a lot of people have in common in their very in their when they get started is kind of that they start out solo. Get, how'd you get Mike Ditka on the podcast, Coach? Do you do you not know that we're big time? Uh, uh, I gotta hear that. I gotta hear that episode. What you guys What you guys talk about? No, first of all, how'd you approach him? How'd you approach Mike Ditka? Right. How'd you get his email? How How'd you get all that? Uh, well, we can't reveal all of our methods. No, I, I, you just want to throw, yeah. If you just want to throw a cut that part, I get, this could be like behind the curtain. Yeah, this is behind this the curtain. Room yeah. Make podcast making one. So here's here's one thing I will say. So we do have we just have some connections. We know similar people and stuff like that. And and we were really lucky. A, a, a guy that works with us, a coach for uh, for the Good Athlete Project, um, has an association uh, actually through his girlfriend. But uh, regardless, I think one thing that I have I have kind of gotten. Uh, good at. I don't think I've gotten good at. It. I'm just like, I'm like obnoxiously persistent in certain things, uh, and like, and I'm just unafraid to knock on doors. So uh, as much as like, I grew up in Chicago, and like, the coach was like just such an icon. You know, he's he's he was the guy. Um, and I do have to admit that when he first when he first walked up the stairs, you remember this, Alex? Uh, that was like as as starstruck as I've been probably in my life. I don't get starstruck very easily, but I mean, he walks up. He's like whatever. He's in his seventies now, um, but he's definitely still Mike Ditka, like freaking like like the Will Ferrell quote. He's got hands like small trucks. Um, he's just like a big intimidating presence. Um, yeah. But it was great actually. It was good. And and one thing that we're I think we've been able to do is is have really candid conversations and and get to some things that people don't always. 
talk about. Like we want to uh, we want to talk to you like Iron Mike, the guy that played freaking well a dozen seasons in the NFL and, and hammered people and was notorious for storming the sidelines up and down Soldier Field. And then uh, and then hear like, d- dude, you can hear it like the catch in his voice when he talks about Walter Payton and what a what a good man Walter Payton was and and. Uh, you know, we've been able to kind of dig in and find those things within people. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, it was cool. It was cool. Worth listening to for sure. Yeah. So. Oh, cool. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah and sometime when you give me – you'll have to give me a behind the scenes of – not – I believe me, I'm not going to reach out to Mike Ditka. I have a <laughs> I have a course on human interaction. So, I'm just fascinated with with how, how that happens, you know. Sure. And I think that it would be a great asset to your listeners because I can't tell you guys how many times per day, and I'm sure you deal with it too – uh, especially like on Instagram and whatever, I'll get, yo, can you tell me how to get strong? Yep. THX. Um, or yep. uh, my favorite one, and and somebody, you know, somebody listening to this will be like, oh, prima donna. It's not about that. It's about like respecting other people's times and, and politeness, you know, and, and you guys know it, it's having decorum. Mm-hmm. Like I would never reach out to a, a coach. And yeah, I still wouldn't if I was not like if I didn't do the due diligence first to become familiar with their work. Yeah. But every day, like it's almost like phishing emails. People will just be like, mm-hmm. hey, coach, can you tell me what to do with my career? And it's literally that broad. And I'm like, yeah. you try to be nice. And I'm like, hey, no disrespect. I like but I don't know you. I don't yeah. know your goals. Um, so I ended up writing just because I used to get bombarded with this stuff so much. I wrote a free 52 page ebook on like advice I wish I would have had when I started off. Wow. And so if, if people want it, they can go to brettbartholomew.net, just my name.net. And on the resources tab, there's, I mean, I, there's a lot of free stuff. Almost, almost every podcast I've done, all that stuff. But I just ask these guys, I'm like, hey, I want to help you, but I don't know like what you've read of mine and what you haven't. Like what topics have you covered? Which right. ones are leaving you confused? And nine times out of 10, these people are like, man, I haven't read the book. I haven't read anything. I was just yeah. hoping you could kind of make uh, meet me for coffee for two hours and, and chat it up. And I'm like, oh, okay, I have a job, you know, like, yeah, yeah. not that I don't want to meet up with people, but like I have a sure. job, I can't meet up for two hours. And right. so, um, I think, I think talking to your audience about that, like how to approach other people in the field, how to do those things is it would, would be a high value thing for them to learn. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I saw you posted on that the other day. It's, um, I think it's a really, really important topic. Cause it like, Email used to be that way, right? Like email, yeah. you used to get emails from friends. Like now, I think honestly it was before our interaction with email. Like I don't really remember that era. I kind of always remember email as sort of a, maybe a spammy type thing. But uh, I, I really hope that doesn't happen with, with DMs and all these other networking tools as well. Because they do provide such a cool uh, access point to content and to people that you wouldn't otherwise have. But like you said, like you got to do a little bit of Got to do a little bit of homework first before you yeah. reach out. Um, you know, I, we actually, and this is, I hope whoever sent this doesn't get pissed off and think we're not open. But um, I'm telling you, I've had uh, so much back and forth with like, uh, like the what should I eat? Like, what should my nutrition look like? I want to lose weight. What should my nutrition look like? Um, I'm, and, and maybe to no fault of their own, because I think maybe people who are really in a bind with that don't recognize the complexity of, of exactly what something like that might look like. Um, right. But, but like you said, I mean, we're talking about sitting down and doing an analysis and having a one or two hour conversation just to get this ball moving. Right. Um, so, you know, agency, ownership, let's do a little bit of our own work front end and then fill in the gaps with the people like yourself who are the experts in certain topics. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, 
I don't know how much of a, I feel like we're a bit like Ernest Hemingway. He says, uh, we're all apprentices in a craft in which you never become a master. So I don't really, uh, I don't consider myself, I consider myself experienced just through things I've gone through, but I don't know if I'll ever, um, even when I'm put in the dirt, consider myself an expert, you know, cause we all make dumb mistakes day after day. You have some, you have some successes, some mistakes, but you know, to me, an expert is this ideological, like kind of flawless thing, but mm-hmm. it's nice to strive for. But yeah, man, I mean, to your point, I just think that I think that there's so much to be learned about communication. And that's a big reason, again, why I invested in, in making the course and the book and and all those things like and, and I decided to really make artofcoaching.com a hub for interactive like resources for coaches yeah. um, because it's just evident that it's really needed, you know, and every day more and more coaches join the field. There's fewer and fewer jobs available, right. you know, and people have to learn how to be resourceful in other ways. And so we, we need some more of that information from you guys out there and, and, and people like you for sure. Wow. That's appreciated. And I, and I think that is meaningful. We got to share that. We've got some interns working with us right now. That might be the next page in our internship packet. Yeah. Well, I, was I mean, like, just go ahead and print off that. That literally is why I made that, that ebook I was telling you about. And it's a free go. ebook. So you just go there and print it off. Um, give that to them. It would save them probably a lot of trouble and, and save you guys some trouble as well. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. We'll do it. Why not? In fact, well, I want to. I want to backtrack just a little bit. I want to hear about two things. Uh, the first is I want to dig in a little bit to your uh, experience as a boxer at K State, and I want to. I want to hear how that has influenced you as a coach right now. And then I also want to hear about uh, your first job. And I think those things maybe they might overlap just a little bit. My first job, I was. Uh, 14 and I was a dishwasher at a bar and grill called Goldberg's that specialized in uh, milkshakes and chicken wings and uh, I, I basically every day me and uh, 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 he was an awesome guy Hispanic guy named Elmo uh, would just basically rock the dishwasher every day and this dude would wear I don't know how he did it but this dude would rock uh, snow pants every day to work like wow. even when it was the summer and like Elmo, and Elmo like I know somebody, you know, listener, politically correct, might be like, maybe he was homeless. Elmo wasn't homeless. Elmo yeah, was like, he had a totally job. functional. Yeah, normal yeah. guy. He just Elmo didn't give a shit, and he yeah, told yeah. you that much. Like, he's just like, I don't yeah. know, they're comfortable in their war. That's where I wear them. And yeah. uh, like, the air conditioning was always on blast in the back because they knew it got hot because of the sink and everything. Uh-huh. Uh, but that was my first job. Uh, boxing. I mean, yeah, just I played baseball and football growing up and, uh, you know, I tore my labrum and, and I wasn't going to go pro in either of them. I mean, I was good enough to probably do like a low level division one, division two, but like I knew I wanted to be a strength coach, um, uh, pretty early on. And anybody that's read my book, um, they'll understand why I'm not going to go into that on this podcast. Cause it's yeah. a, it could be an episode on in and of itself, but yeah. I had a very influential event happen early on in my life that showed me what this path was going to be. Uh, so boxing was a great competitive outlet. I've always just loved the minimalism of it. Yep. Um, it's no nonsense. It's there's something pure about it. I mean, I love MMA too, but I, I'm much more of a boxing guy. I just think there's again the, the purity of it, the fluidity of it, um, the timelessness of it. When you think of past times, you think of those old black and white photos of people playing stickball in the streets of New York City, or guys wrapping up their hands in shipyards. That's just yeah. what it is. Um, and so did that, and you know, I started training fighters in exchange for for my training as I started to learn more about strength and conditioning and physiology, and yeah, just knew it was just a passion of mine. So uh, nothing like there was no big eureka moment or anything like that. I just knew that boxing and 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 combat sports was something I was very passionate about, and 
and later on that gave me unique insight to work with people like uh, Chuck Liddell, Luke Rockhold, Juliana Pena, Michael Chiesa, wow. um, Rafael Dos Anjos, and, and, and folks like that in the UFC, which was great. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a unique experience and something I'd really like to keep up with today. I still box as much as I can and uh, knock the bag around, but, you know, it's hard to find sparring partners when you're around 195 pounds. Uh, right. most, most guys in boxing are significantly less, you know, the last few boxing gyms I ever visited closest guy to me is either 150 or, you know, 200 and 250. And so yeah. kind of gets a little tough to find somebody, but it, it's still something I keep up with. How about you? Uh, for play boxing? Sport. Yeah. We're just playing sports, boxing. What do you yeah, still yeah. compete in? You look like you could bring down a house. So look at this guy. I appreciate that. How, I, how do you know he wasn't talking to me? Oh, he was, he was talking about Alex. Remember I was talking him? to both of you. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. I don't, I don't know if you've seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but when that those two little gremlins congeal into that one mega gremlin, and then he's basically smarter than Einstein and everybody else. Like, you're that's saying YouTube. that's happening? That's Dink and Dunk right there. There it is. Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> you like it. I like it. Uh, we'll make uh, that. We'll make a decision later whether that Dink and Dunk makes the cutting room. Or... <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, no. Yeah. So I. I actually. I. Um, I played football a little bit. I played in college and I played afterwards. Uh, I wasn't the caliber of the guys, uh, some of the guys on the wall behind you, but I played uh, some arena indoor football and then went over to Europe for a few years. Wow! Um, and it was a, yeah, it was a blast. It was it was incredible. And I still I'm still pretty active. I do powerlifting every once in a while. We part of our professional development is you've got to compete in something. Yeah. Um, so some of our guys have done powerlifting meets. We've had people just compete in. Uh, try to get the best 5K time. They have something. They've got to. They've got to know the training on the front and you know in the books both. Um, so yeah. So I powerlifting probably most recently, but I still think I got it in football. If I had to, no, no, maybe not. Uh, but that's that's the bulk of my background. Like like you, when I was a kid, I played a little bit of everything. Wasn't great at. I you might have been. I wasn't great at anything. No, uh, no. I, I was always that guy that would just out last year. Where I was like consistent. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was consistent. Um, speaking of consistent, if you if you look at your side panel there, shared the link for the ebook and then also the uh, clip, the YouTube clip uh, where Bill and Ted's uh, little gremlin thing merges together there for your own enjoyment. You can watch that later. I think we're gonna have to add that. Yeah. Oh, thank oh, you. Yeah. There, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I love that. That's a great movie. That's uh, perfect. Keanu Reeves, classic. Keanu Reeves pre John Wick. You know, like don't, right. exactly. don't, everybody looks at it and they're like, oh, the Matrix, John Wick, you're killing it. They forgot about Speed and Bill and Ted's Adventure. Thank you. And, and Point Break, my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Keanu Reeves, a consummate everyday man. <laughs> he, was, he was destined for whatever the Academy Hall of Fame until uh, all that other stuff came over. No, I agree. I think that, John that was, Wick is unbelievable. He doesn't have a scandal of all. He doesn't have a scandal, does he? In fact, quite the opposite. He's like, one of the most charitable people in all of Hollywood. Um, I forget the causes that he gives to, but like, yeah, like consistently uh, one of the like top givers, I guess, in Hollywood, but he's just also not someone that like stays in the public eye yeah. in the same way that other people might. That's funny. That's, you know what? That's actually a surprisingly good point to bring up because like, I, I think what you're doing, Brett, and hopefully what we're doing on our best days is like, like being good, being deliberate, being thoughtful doesn't make headlines. That's not headline stuff. Uh, yeah. It's the stuff that makes the world work in the most positive ways. It just it doesn't like whatever get clicks. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Maybe we do need to reach out to Keanu. 
I'm looking him up right now. Are you? Yeah, if you yeah, can, gotta, if you can gotta find contact you, info, let us know. Well, I would, but you didn't tell me you got to hold a Ditka, so yeah, I have no true. idea that's where fair. to start. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know? I knew that come back to bite <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me know what, what works for Dick. He's 53 years old, so I mean, Is you he know. really? Yeah. Yep. He looks great from 53. Yeah, kill, just killing it. You actually are um, talking to the biggest Point Break fan around, by the way. That's not like a, that's not hyperbole. I like it. All right, back to questions. So, <laughs> I got I got a question for you. What would you? Um, so your days are fluid, right? You've got to be adaptable. You mentioned the ways in which that was just an absolute of the job. Um, what would a successful day? What would constitute a successful day for you? Coaching, training, uh, knocking out like anything like maybe three key priority things and then turn it off yeah you know and then like usually the night time is time for me to spend time with my wife or read but um a non-successful day would be like today and that's just by my own standards it's i feel like today was one of those days where i work on about five things and get none of them done Mm -hmm. uh but that's you know you I don't get hung up on that as much anymore, I guess. Yeah. I just, you know, I, like I said, the, the whole productivity thing is nice in theory. I don't know whose life works like that when they have one job. I mean, that's right. a disclaimer too. Like, right. Like I'm, I'm a coach, a presenter, an adjunct professor and a pseudo author, right? Like I, I consider people like uh, Malcolm Gladwell, real authors. So that's why I say like pseudo author. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so like it's impossible for me to have a, a routine. You know, you read about Ryan Holiday and he's got a routine. Every day he, he wakes up and he reads a certain amount and he runs a certain distance and then he writes a certain amount. And like, that's great. Ryan Holiday is a writer, you right. know. And so um, I don't think anybody's really chalked this path in strength and conditioning before. I think that we have people that own gyms and maybe speak and consult. We have people that, you know, are with pro or collegiate or high school teams and, and they coach and and maybe they present a little bit, uh, but this, I, I don't really know a whole lot of people that I can call and say, hey, you're in the exact same situation as I am. Right. Um, can you help me figure this out? So I, I try not to compare myself to other people in that respect. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not chasing them anyway. Like I'm chasing the version of myself 10 years from now that, that I want to be. And I'm a long, long, long ways away from that. From that guy. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really good stuff too. I, I think people recently have turned to podcasts to get some sort of habit help or, you know, almost like they're, they're trying, we're trying to redefine our lives and be our most productive selves. Uh, one concern of mine references what you were just talking about is a lot of those routines are, those are gifts of privilege, privilege of time and resource that most people just don't have. I, I don't have a steam room and an ice bath right beside each other that I can go back and forth into, you know, just to get my day. By nine, I, by nine a.m. every day before you drink your uh, uh, whatever kimchi with exactly. free-range grass-fed milk, and a woman from the Himalayas comes down and massages your pecs before max effort bench day. That's right. And then all of a sudden, a whole horde of troubadours and trumpet players come and play music at just the right pitch for That's neuromuscular right. focus and efficiency to take place prior to writing a novel uh, written by, like similar to that written by Proust. That's, that's not a normal that, thing. Well, not on Thursdays because uh, of traffic mostly. But yeah, yeah no. It's, fucking, if it wasn't for traffic. If it only. Himalayan massage therapist. She would have been here. We would have gotten on the right foot. But no, it's true though. It's like you, you, you can't set up the, it can't always set up for the ideal. Um, the Himalayan. And you claim you're not a writer, dude. That was just improv. That was beautiful. 
Oh, yeah, I'm glad we captured it. I don't want to know what goes on in my head on a daily basis. <laughs> I, I think we do. Uh, it's funny that you say that too. So uh, tell me if you've ever done this in your own training. We had, I feel really lucky. Uh, uh, Alex is the head strength coach at St. Vider High School just down the way. Uh, I'm lucky to uh, have a similar position at Nutria High School. Uh, both of our teams just competed in the Illinois High School Powerlifting State Championship. Uh, and and our guys won, and I was super proud of them. They won by a really, just a tiny margin. We had 20 teams. They won by one point. I don't know if you had, I know how that scored out, but it was awesome. One of the things that we tried to do for them was give them uh, sort of disadvantaged training states. Not not physically, because we didn't want to put them in any kind of risk, but just like psychologically. Like we had this one sure. kid. I mean, he's an absolute beast. He won two forty the 242-pound weight class. He's just really talented, really strong incredible work ethic, but he would get so jacked up before every lift. We're on a set of five and he's, and you can see it in him. The, the music's got to be right. Uh, his mindset is just like going wild before he lifts. So uh, in order to ensure that he would perform when you, like the only thing that we can guarantee on, on oh the day of is like <laughs> the, uh, that things aren't going to go exactly as planned, right? Like the only thing that you can be sure of, it's not going to go exactly like you think it's going to go. Sure. Uh, so we start getting him in like just funky mind states. We're like, let's talk about math. Let's talk about baseball. Let's put on uh, meditation music in the background instead of, you know, whatever it is that you normally do. So we don't do anything too crazy, but we're like, let's get out of whatever that was. The Chinese, the Chinese do that a lot. Do they? Yeah, Chinese do a lot. They'll if, if people are diving and 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 you know if they're like Olympic divers or whatever, the Chinese will um you know they'll they'll turn the temperature all the way up and then they'll they'll turn the temperature down and they'll change this, they'll change the humidity, you know, they'll hmm. they'll do whatever they can in terms of repetition, 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 or or just kind of messing with them and and get them uh, you know get them to respond or get them to be resilient to a wide variety of things. Yeah. I like, we use it, um, we say perform even so. Like perform, despite, it doesn't matter. So, so the, uh, there was a bad call, you, you gotta perform. You know, the, the wind picks up, you gotta perform. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a really, that's, a, that's an important topic. Do you, do you incorporate anything like that into your training? So you, you are like becoming the expert on, um, on so much of this stuff. How much of it will you fold all of it into your own practice? But what are some of your real go-tos go or maybe some oh. takeaways? If you, I, just, I, mean, I do it all the time. The last time I did a max effort squat test, I turned on Dean Martin, ain't that a kick in the it. head? That's you know, it. Or, <laughs> uh, like I, I do that. I, like there, there's times where I'd go present, especially when I first started and you know, somebody next to me that I worked with would be like constantly looking over their notes and you know, I just looked at it and said, you know what, like I'm like, I'm confident that I know my stuff. I've done the research. I made the presentation. I made the talk. Like for me, I don't want to sit there and look over it. Like I'm not the type that gets better. You know, I, I've spoken now professionally for like six or seven years and I don't think I've ever rehearsed one because I don't, you know, for me, that's not, I always want to be like just fully transparent and honest with the audience. And I want it to play off of where I'm at. If I go in there with some rehearsed way of telling a certain story for every audience, you know, that's like saying you're going to train every athlete the same way. Yeah. Um, so I'll purposefully, you know, I, like I'll do things like that. Um, I make myself, I'm experimenting with a new way of designing presentations right now. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to find different ways to kind of get out of my comfort zone. The problem is, is I'm never really in a comfort zone, right. you know, right. so uh, I'd actually like it to be a little bit more the opposite, be a little bit more routinized, uh, you know, but 
but we're getting there and, and it'll, it'll just take some time. So yeah, I, th- I think that stuff's important and you've always got to find a different way to kind of alter your surroundings, uh, and, and alter the context. I mean, I use that with athletes when I coach and they'll respond to tactile auditory, you know, visual cues, all those kinds of things. So, yeah, I, see. I, I like the, uh, the plyos and the agility stuff you do with color, um, oh, yeah. multi-stimulus nice. stuff. I think it's really good. Uh, I, I've started, I, I certainly take a similar approach to yourself. Like, uh, I, I've seen people you know, just pouring over the notes beforehand, and I think maybe if I had to be totally honest and reflect on it, uh, I, I um, when I was picking up my one of my graduate degrees, uh, I was lucky to be selected for Harvard's. Uh, they have an Ed Talks series, and um, and it, it was eight minutes. It was so condensed that I was like, I gotta be, I gotta be on point. So I rehearsed for that more than anything more than I, I'm telling you right now I've, I rehearsed for that eight minutes more than I've rehearsed for anything in my life I believe eventually. it yeah I believe uh, it and, I'm, and I think it lo- I, I don't think it hit the way just like even just like a breakdown in the weight room might right because it, it felt so to me on you know reviewing that film uh, it felt so kind of canned uh, it, you know it took the the me out of it a little bit so I'm like you I like I, I want to I want to engage. I want to be more more conversational. I think there's an honesty that comes from that um, that that can't be replicated. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Valid valid points, my friend. I like it. Um, all right, well, we gotta we gotta make sure that we got some more nuggets out of this. So here's the big one: um, advice to a future leader. And I think one obvious one is like read all your content, follow you always. They will develop alongside you. But if there was like, if you could sum it up. Someone who is in college right now has a, has a very real passion for this. Uh, what's one direction you'd point them in? Yeah, I just right now the big thing in strength and conditioning is everybody's worried about how you prove the value of um, a strength coach. And I say, you know, be be less worried about proving your value and more worried about providing value. You know, you provide value to other people, you're going to prove your value in and of itself. It's kind of like one of my favorite quotes is. Excellence is self-evident and so is bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just think that try it like I got a lot of heat early on um, because I was always told strength coaches aren't on social media. Real strength coaches don't do this. Real strength coaches don't do that. There were people that asked me and basically said I'd be blackballed because I have an Instagram following or because I do this. And you know what? Like I just I know that my mission at the end of the day is to kind of share the information I wish that I would have known earlier uh with people and also like lift the veil of bs of people trying to overcomplicate things so yeah. i share you know and uh thankfully i haven't had trouble you know with, with getting involved with different organizations and what have you so i think you know just be focused on providing value don't insulate yourself collaborate share do your thing you know and 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 really lock those things lock that in you know and it, it helps to find a niche too but you want to be balanced. You want to be balanced. Like I'll go, there's a lot of conferences. I'll give two talks on the art of coaching and two talks on training, yep. you know? And so, uh, you just have to understand that true craftsmanship, which is what you should be committed to is an art and a science. So that's my best advice. I think it's great advice. I love that line. Uh, do you have any, how, how's our lightning round coming along? I mean, I, I got some ready. How Let's go. Fire away. Round. All right. Favorite book or movie unrelated to your field? So, uh, um, oh my God, it's, uh, Denzel Washington, uh, give me a second. No, the hurricane. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Uh, this one is personally for you. I just want you to know that. Uh, favorite 90s rap group or artist? Uh, I'd from a comic standpoint, I'd really like to say MC Snow, the guy that sung per, uh, Informer. But oh, uh, wow. I'm going to go with my favorite 90s, actually, R&B group was Drew Hill. Not bad. Yeah, okay. that's it. you don't even know who's in Drew Hill. What the? What do you mean not bad? Not bad. I, it, Drew's in it. Drew's great. <laughs> no, it's Cisco's group. That was a big Cisco. But you, they had a lot, like Drew Hill always had the best music videos. Like you're like a 12 year old and like uh, you know TRL or whatever's coming yeah. on, and you're just trying to like you want the music video with the prettiest girls in it. And you're like, show this video. You know, and like so either that and then uh, like I don't consider my favorite artist of all time is Eminem. You know, so. But he's not a '90s, you know, hip hop guy. He would, would he, no, yeah, no, no. Probably, yeah. He's probably early 2000s. Like he was, he was around of course, right, but right, like right. he didn't really like do his thing until like '99, 2000. Yeah. Is there a way to put uh, "Informer" like in the background of this without violating copyright? Oh, maybe. We're gonna figure that out. Maybe if I sing it. Fine. Done. Okay. We can do um, that. But Sham won't turn informer. Nobody still knows. <laughs> no knows. No. Nobody still knows what that guy's saying to this day. No. Um, who would play you in a movie about your life? Um, <laughs> uh, one, the only person I've ever been told I look like actor wise, and I don't believe this at all. And I, and I don't take it necessarily as a compliment is people say I have the same head shape as Matt Damon. Um, but I'd have to say, I don't know. I, I could ask my wife, Liz, who would play me as, uh, in my, in a movie about my life? Denzel Washington, she says. There you so, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds like pretty good. I completely agree. Yeah, I completely uh, agree. Similar head shape is a new one. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what does that mean? The crown of my skull? Yeah. I feel like you have to know Matt Damon like kind of personally in order like, to really say that. Well. That feels yes. yeah. yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who are some other coaches in the field that you uh, that that are doing good work that you admire right now? I'm not going to, I'm going to answer just like three. These are no order. And these are, these are just, I'm going to give you the three people I've talked to most recently who also fit that category. So Fair. if somebody can't bitch at that, cause then it's just like, Hey, you should have called me if you want to be mentioned on it. Like um, there we go. Ron, Ron McKeefrey, he's always a dear friend. Like, uh, you know, just really phenomenal guy. Um, I would say who else I'm, I don't have my phone with me. Um, Ron McKeefrey, you know, I always love, my friend Adam Fight from Precision Nutrition is a really honest, uh, good dude. I was talking to Ben Bruno today. Ben Bruno works with a, a few different populations now, more celebrities, but also a really good, uh, just just sharp guy. Um, Josh Hanks, who's the head strength coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Him and I are playing a little phone tag right now, but he's somebody I really respect. And the Eagles obviously do great work. Dave Polok at the Miami Dolphins. I mean, again, I can go kind of on and on and sure. on, but – um, those are just some people that I've talked to recently that jumped to mind. Which animal would you le least like to be stuck in a room with? A white Siberian tiger. That was so. That was too easy. That was too easy. No, but I don't know how you had that locked and loaded yeah. so fast. <laughs> I mean, they don't mess around. That's fair. That's fair. It's a tiger from Siberia. That's plenty of reasons to be angry, right there. And that's a good point. That's a really good point. Okay, I think we might call it for the lightning round. No, you got to give me one more better than that. All right, give him a good one. One more better than that. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Tell us about the first concert you ever went to. Uh, <laughs> Anger Management Tour, Denver, Colorado. Eminem, D12, 50 Cent, G-Unit, Little John. Uh, 
Yeah, that this, was it. That I was did. your first concert? Yeah, oh yeah. What, uh, give us a little more on that. Because <laughs> you pretty yeah, much yeah. just said the playlist of my first iPod right there. Yeah, yeah. No, hey, that's still pretty much what I listen to. Yeah. No, no, just a friend and I are huge, huge fans of all those people involved. I mean, I'm not really a huge little John fan, but like Eminem, 50 Cent, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm an Eminem, 50 Cent, Nas, Jay-Z, yeah. you know, those kinds of guys. And uh, yeah, just, it was in Denver, Colorado. So we hopped in a car and and went and checked it out. I can tell you my brother's first concert. I think he went to a Boys to Men concert. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm putting that on blast right now. Motown Philly back again. Don't stop. Start breaking no, no, down. No, no, no. You guys can't see this right now. But they're, they're actually dancing. One of them took their shirt off, which is completely unprofessional. Completely. Look, I That's amazing. never, never build myself as anything other than but unprofessional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's true. That's funny. That's uh, two was actually my first album. Boys to Men what? 2. What was? Boys oh, to Men yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. You still, know the dance, you still know the song and the dance moves and everything. Dude, I got, I got Boys to Men 2 and Nirvana Unplugged uh, in the same week. And it was when I got my first CD player. And uh, I, th- I feel like that's shaped the person I am today. That, sit in your mom's basement and play Goldeneye. That's exactly right. Do you still have any G-Unit clothing, brand clothing? No, I did have a shady limited uh, polo that I found in my closet when I went back to uh, went home for Christmas the other day because I think when Eminem had his own clothing line, I bought a polo one time. Uh, but no, I still do have G in it though. Like when I squat, G unit goes on just because it's gritty. Like yep. today's music is all like it's all club stuff. <laughs> That's my psychic. <laughs> you uh, you have a career in the music industry. I can tell just from this short conversation. Yeah, yeah, well. Have you ever tried writing down some bars and and getting in front of a mic? Listen to you bars. I freestyle every time I go up and speak. You know, the deck, the slides are just, the slides are prompts. And then it's it's story time and application. You know, that's usually how you can tell who really coaches. If somebody's up there constantly reading off their slides, like, like just literally looking at them while, you know, it's like, People aren't going there like if people were paying for that, they'd just be like, hey, Brett, can you send us over your slides? No right. need to come out to San Antonio. Right. Like they're paying to see you. That's right. Um, but yeah, you know, if anybody else wants to see any more of me, there's 10 plus hours on uh, artofcoaching.com. If you can't get enough of my boyish good looks um, and I'm seeing that tongue in cheek and my raspy gargling glass voice, artofcoaching.com. There you go, man. Listen, I think uh, I think that's the perfect way to wrap because uh, let me just tell you this: we we are really excited to have you on because uh, what we're really interested in doing you you're already freaking doing it. Uh, we just want to change the narrative in this field. Uh, we think that, and I mentioned it before, and I don't want to like name drop or anything, but uh, when I was studying at Harvard, it became very clear to me that sports uh, and potentially strength and conditioning in, in, in the way that that we try to do it might be the most powerful learning platform that exists. And, the, and for that reason, just like you said with professional development, the people in it, uh, if, you're, if you're carrying the torch of that, if you are the main models in that space, you better be well-intended, well-considered, up on your research, practicing your craft, kind of all, all the things that you talk about all the time. So uh, we really are grateful to not only have you on, but, but to have your voice in this really important field. Um, and listen, if there's anything we can ever do to support you, uh, I really do hope you'll reach out because we yeah, no, appreciate it. You guys have been great. Yeah. Just continue to let anybody know, know about the course in the book. And, and I appreciate that. Thanks for all you do. And thanks for having me on this episode brought to you by hand armor chalk, the official chalk of USA weightlifting. 
They are also the official sponsor of the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, a partner organization overseen by the Good Athlete Project. We would not support a product we didn't believe in. Check them out at Hand Armor Chalk on Twitter and Instagram.